Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey gang, this Friday the 24th, 9.30 p.m., we are returning to the People's Improv Theater in New York City to talk about the one and only well, I guess it's not the one and only. It's the sequel. <laughs> Cocoon it's, 2, The Return. It's literally... It's Cocoon 2 of 2. <laughs> it's the second of something. The other of the two Cocoon movies. We did the one. Now we're doing the other one. We will be on hand. Live episode to be recorded. Let's hope it records a little better this time. Uh... <laughs> We will be there chatting about the movie. We will be doing Wilfred Brimley impressions. There's just so much pressure now. I don't know. You're going to see the faces we make. Like It's not a thing like we do it on purpose, but to make... To make that voice, you gotta make kind of a face to go with it. Yeah. Well, I think I'm gonna go method with it. I'm actually gonna dye my mustache white. You're gonna give yourself diabetes? <laughs> yeah, give myself diabetes, get the glasses, and like maybe some of those uh, U.S. Navy tattoos he's got on. Diabetes 15 years before you just naturally get diabetes. Well, I'm <laughs> working my way into it. None of the panelists on this show is throwing stones at the diabetes portion of Wilford Brimley. Because a little bit of bad karma is the last thing I need in the diabetes race, all right? I've got oh. enough I got enough horses in that race as it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't make the diabetes jokes because it's the obvious Wilford Brimley joke to make. But let me tell you this, Steve. Your face contorts very entertainingly <laughs> when you do Wilford Brimley, as I think we all kind of will. So you know what? If you want to see what it looks like, when someone does a voice you like, come out to this show. You can check out our Facebook page under the events tab. There is a link to buy tickets and let us know you're coming. We want to see a, a good crowd out there. If this works out, we, you know, we're going to hopefully try to push them into a, a monthly slot there, which would be really, really cool. And the Pit's a great venue. They, they've got shows there every week. They've got an amazing bar that just hang out in before and or after shows. We'll be hanging out before and or after, depending. <laughs> uh, so that's this Friday, the 24th, 9.30 p.m. Uh, if you want to check out their website, thepit-nyc.com, and check out our Facebook page for ticket information. We'll see you there. God damn it! Hello, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Gavin. And we hate movies. Folks, welcome to the program. Thank you for tuning in. As always, once again, just a reminder that new theme song brought to you by New York City's Hurrah! A Bolt of Light. 
Check out their album Hello in iTunes and hurrahaboltoflight.com. This is the third week in our listener request month, and we took a call from a fella named Brian out in Washington who had this to say. Hi, my name is Brian. I'm from uh, Tacoma, Washington. I'm calling in with my suggestion for the uh, listener request month, and I would like to suggest a movie featuring the black Jim Belushi. Well, it's one of my favorites from when I was younger. I, I rewatch it every every couple of years, and my choice is House Guest. There is just a, a lack of Sinbad on your show. You, you, you guys have been uh, knocking Belushi and Kane and all those other people, but where is Sinbad has been just just free from all of your uh, all of your we hate movie. We need Sinbad on the show, and you can never go wrong with the little Phil Hartman. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate everything you've done. I love all the entertainment. I love all the old episodes. Thanks again. Uh, house guest, come on. All right, you got your way. Twist our arm, we'll make fun of Sinbad. 1995's house guest. There is some fire in the belly of that request. There really is. What an impassioned... For all those people out there who are like, Oh, man, my call didn't get picked this time. Here's a tip, man. Stop talking like droopy dog. <laughs> Just that's your friend. I mean, then that would go. That would take you a long way for a long way. Because that's obviously, true. you're not getting dates off that, right? So maybe we just want to like cool this it. Job interview, please. Uh, no, but what an impassioned plea! And of course, we will do that for you. Uh, oh man, Sinbad! I, I, love, I love that he's just like you know, like come on, you're doing all these other other people. Why don't you do Sinbad? Like I don't know. I, I know two Sinbad movies, <laughs> and the rest of it is him just yelling about how women shop. <laughs> And don't forget, men be acting all like zombies at the mall. <laughs> that too. I don't know if that's an actual thing in his act or if that's just uh, a joke from Family Guy. But either way, it's a joke Sinbad would tell. The weird thing about the, the, this uh, Brian's hate for Sinbad, and I, I totally get it because all of these movies, you know, you just get a movie on tape as a kid and you watch it and you're just like... Oh my God! Everyone's watching this at this exact same moment. Everybody knows House Guest as well as I do, <laughs> and it's just that's happened to me multiple times on this show. Taking care of business, I was like, "Come on, guys, right? Taking care of business." Vampire in Brooklyn. I was like, "Come on!" I mean, everybody's seen Vampire and Vampire in, in Brooklyn. I guess in Brooklyn. I'm al- alone here. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't seen House Guest. It's something that I kind of just purposely avoided. I knew what it was. I love Phil Hartman, and I was like, you know what? Unless, you know, 10 years from now, whatever, I grow up to host some sort of internet radio thing where I have to watch this movie, I'm never going to watch this movie. I actually saw this movie at, like, the second-run theater back in my hometown, and I remember it so clearly seeing it because this shitty dad I knew brought his son to this as his birthday. Oh, no. Oh, God. And, like, he he tried – he was like uh, – and this was, you know, obviously a teaching – thing for me he was like you're gonna sneak in candy into the theater with me (laughs) so he does this and the attendant at this second run theater caught him with the candy and they got into it for 15 minutes wow this was back when movie theaters were like giving a shit about that all right here's a list of what i 
think are Sinbad specific vehicles <laughs> just to get the conversation under the underway here. Uh, because before this movie came out, he did have a couple of movies that he was in, but it's not a Sinbad movie, right? Not a so, Sinbad joint? No. So Necessary Roughness, uh, Conehead, The Meteor Man, um, which we got a lot of requests for, but that movie's just too boring. I, yeah. We can't make an episode. I mean, aside from it. James Earl Jones, that hilarious wig. Yeah, you got nothing. Uh, all right, so House Guest is like, this is a Sinbad vehicle. Um, and then First Kid, he's kind of like co billed with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jingle All the Way. It's not a starring role. And then he just had like this made for TV movie called The Cherokee Kid, where he's playing a cowboy for some reason. And that's it. I always got yeah, that. That's it. I always got the Cherokee Kid mixed up with that Paul Hogan uh, movie. Lightning Jack. Yeah, that one. Oh, Lightning Jack's kind of a fun movie, though. Yeah. Not not uh, the Cherokee well, Kid. Paul I Hogan's... would imagine. I haven't seen it, but Paul Hogan dead? Question mark. No, he's no, he's, al- he's, he's alive and well. Oh, good for him. I think he's just back down under. They didn't let him back up after uh, Crocodile Dundee in L.A., <laughs> which I saw in the theater. So, House Guest, the premise of which is what Sinbad is a con man of some he's kind. Either a con man, he's a ne'er do well. A loser <laughs> is what we call it. A loser. And I know people <laughs> People get upset when we throw the L word around here. And again, mm-hmm. no one's sitting on a, it, it. We're not recording this in an ivory tower. <laughs> However, the man's a loser for, for many reasons, which we'll get through it. So this loser uh, is has got all sorts of like gambling. Not gambling. He's got like he owes the mafia money. He runs out. And in order to stay alive, he kind of. Uh, Trills the identity of another man Of another light-skinned black man And <laughs> he stays at this family's house Pretends to be a dentist And sort of solves all the family's problems along the way He fixes every last one of this For family's problems For 110 minutes <laughs> of my life it's By the a- way, I'd like to point out that uh, It had been a long time since I listened to Brian's phone call and I said tonight when you guys got here that Sinbad is like the black Jim Belushi, minus all the sexism and just uh, replace it with like little kid shit because he's just a big baby in this movie. Yeah, well, he's not. He's a, a big seven year old. There's a difference. Like he's not like Larry the Cable Guy is kind of a big baby, right? Like Sinbad's an excited, kind of fun, dumb as shit seven year old that has like just no idea how adults act. He might not be d- a dumb seven-year-old. There's a possibility in this 2013 age of ours that a, a professional of some kind would say that Sinbad was on the spectrum. You know what I mean? Or at least like the the kid persona. I mean, because it is at least ADHD and all over the place here. Well, it's just a, a sense of humor that is all based on gesticulating. Right. It's all like wiggling and fucking arms going all over somewhere. That was even his stand-up thing yeah. to a degree. Like he was a big uh, mic shaker. Some comedians do that. He's big, I mean, he was just all over the place with the walks. He's a physicality guy. Like right. he didn't I mean, his jokes weren't exactly the sharpest in the bag. <laughs> what with all the mall business and all everything else that he would talk about, but he was all he would he would tell the joke and then flail around for 10 minutes and it would be hilarious because he was a physical guy. That's what he does here. The first, what I hate, in especially movie, comedian vehicles, for whatever reason, it's always a good idea 
to show them as a little kid first. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand that. What I think phenomenon. that is. This is my theory about this because you're right. It happens a lot, but I think it's a thing where it's like everyone has to know that this person's been like this forever. Right. It's that idea of like. I'm just born this way. I'm just this crazy wackadoo guy, and there's nothing I can do about it because I've been this way since I was seven years old. Look, audience, he's never had promise. <laughs> <laughs> we start off with this flashback. Remember that Life with Louie show and that oh. fucking little pig creature that's walking? <laughs> and I mean, like, it's not even because it's Louie Anderson. It's a poorly... It's a, like, if, if I'm Louis Anderson, I'm like, oh, great, I have a new TV show. I'm doing a voice of a kid. I'll be a cute little kid. And I'm sure Louis Anderson was an adorable child, but they drew him like the end, like at the end of the, the Eye of the Beholder Twilight Zone episode. There's just all these people. <laughs> he's just like, oh, great, I'm a little fat kid. You could easily break down that drawing and be like, all right, so here's what we got for the Life with Louis cartoon show. Uh, we're going to take off the hair and we're going to give it some pointy ears on the top of it. <laughs> its head and up oh, it's a pig that's all it took <laughs> it took two moves to take it from a little boy to a pig creature well i think that's why he like he's kind of you know faded as it turns out because i think for a long time he knew his life was just like isn't it kind of funny how much like a pig this guy looks <laughs> and eventually he put like something in his contract there should be no pigs or piggish looking <laughs> things in this movie or TV show, and now he doesn't have a career anymore. I just feel bad for him because, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a while since we talked about Louis Anderson on this show. Ages and ages ago, we did an episode called The Wrong Guys, looking the way back catalog to dust off that fucker. But his stand-up's kind of funny. It's a, it's a very dry, like, sarcastic, very good sense of humor. Then you just get this cartoon, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why do I care about this guy's little kid and like just all of all of these problems he may have had because he talked like that? Like, That's that is like sixty percent of the reasons he got in the jams he got into was that boy. Well, it also like I I kind of dislike him for this reason alone is I kind of blame him for like the onslaught of fat comedians. That really? We, well, like of the new like the ones who call their specials. You know, a whole lot of love and pizza. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I agree with you, Chris. And th this actually, this is a good, nice little segue to yep. our film here. Good call. There's a difference between a comedian that's overweight and a fat comedian. There is, you know, like, if your first album is like, I'm just here for the cheese, and your second one is, I'm back for seconds. And it's all like this, that, um, what's that, Ralph Ralphie Mays, Mays that that's way. all that dude Isn't shtick. Isn't there also uh, Gabriel? Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias yep. is, a, is a fat comedian. Yeah. Uh, there's a... There's a Kevin something or other. He's just a big old fat. Like, oh, like, that's the Kevin whatever is the one that's, I'm starving. Or is, that, <laughs> is that him? Yeah, it is. So, he's got some special <laughs> called I'm starving. We get it, dude. <laughs> You're a big guy. like, But you live a lot. Like, a, I, Good for you for fucking turning it into a strength. And like, hey, I call myself a fat guy all the time. I hope people laugh at it instead of hate my guts. <laughs> I totally understand it. Yeah. However, like, I'm just not walking around being like, oh, man, you know, don't you keep that pizza away from me because I'm going to fucking eat it. <laughs> just you don't even want to have me anywhere near pizza. 
Do you think people get, like, the the League of Fat Comedians, as I'll call them? Uh, <laughs> they get pissed off when, like, Brian Regan does Pop-Tart jokes. They're like, hey, man, don't fucking steal my bit. You don't live this shit. I live this shit. You can't talk about fucking Pop-Tarts. Or, like, Jim Gaffigan's yeah. got that, Thumb like, I'm a, big, I'm a big fat dad book now. Yeah. And it's just like, you fucking son of a bitch, I am a big fat dad. Oh, he's so fucking fat. Everyone get, make way for Jim Gaffigan. He's going to break the fucking scale. He's fucking less than 250 pounds. <laughs> You can't be a fat comedian if you're less than 250 pounds. <laughs> and they would definitely give Jim Gaffigan the Hot Pockets commercials that Gabriel Iglesias wants. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Jim Gaffigan doesn't need those Hot Pockets commercials, but Jim Gaffigan's going to take them away from Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> I love Jim Gaffigan. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Sinbad has a really bad eye for what it's like to live a healthy life in this movie the whole his whole motivation in this movie is become needlessly rich or like rich for no reason and eat the worst food possible at every second every interval he can right initially we see him he's driving around in his shit box car and he's got this big bag of wise potato chips this is a bag of wise potato chips for a new year's eve party that's what, it's not it's not a not a something a single man should have around the house. It's like he went grocery shopping and then he went to BJ's wholesale <laughs> club just for potato chips. <laughs> that okay, if they it was sewed a- three value bags of potato <laughs> chips together to make this bag of potato chips. If he owned a nicer, more futuristic car and he put that bag of potato chips on the passenger seat, that noise would start dinging because it thinks the passenger isn't wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> That's how big this fucking bag of chips is. And he's like, gotta go home and eat all my chips. Green Onions is playing in the background like he's the most badass motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's that's what you play for a pool shark not somebody that's gonna go home and house an economy bag of potato chips <laughs> and a mcdonald's bag. oh yeah he's got that at the bottom <laughs> if billy d williams ever went into a pool hall and hustled minnesota fats that's the fucking song you play yeah. not sinbad grocery shopping it makes sense in get shorty when john travolta walks into a hotel to that song because he's a loan shark <laughs> So, before he gets home to eat all this food, there's a real quick... This is one of his Belushi moves in this movie, because Sinbad, much like Jim Belushi, has to be the best at everything. Even though he's a loser, he still carries himself like, it's just a matter of time before I'm a millionaire, it's a matter of time before this and that, and of course, I'm amazing at fucking basketball. And he walks through... And this is also a lot of Adam Sandler. He is like, there's a neighborhood court, you know, across the street from his apartment, and there's a pickup game of basketball, and he walks onto the court, and is like, oh, what are we doing here? And it's like, well, we're clearly playing basketball. (laughs) And he's like, dribbling with one hand, he's like, I'm going to beat you guys with the groceries on the other hand. He's, of course, he's like, fucking setting picks and throw and like <laughs> he's holding this 900 pound bag of wise potato chips in one arm and dribbling in the other he gives it to the other guy and he breaks both his legs like, how about these potato chips it's like in the looney tunes commercial when they just hand somebody an anvil and just, just plummets <laughs> and the problem is and i know we said loser and i just feel like we're making fun of this guy for being overweight he's not actually sinbad's not a, a bad put together guy because he, he's like Eight feet tall. He's so he, well, yeah. He's well proportioned for yeah. how tall. I mean, he's very believable in necessary roughness as yeah. a fucking football player. Like yeah. he's like fucking Herman Munster. <laughs> 
And I mean, you really can't see the arterial blockage outside of the body, so... Right. And I mean, so... But the thing is, he doesn't have a job. He's got absolutely no job, no... You understand that he's never had a job? Like, he's a schemester and a planner? And, like, the whole opening scene, he's just driving his car talking about, like, oh, man, and then I'm going to... You know, he's, like, giving all these fake speeches for all the awards he's going to win because he's, like... He is very much a little kid. Like, if... If you're a, if you're a dreamer, let's say, like you know what I mean, you've got a job that you don't like, and you're a dreamer. Like one day I'm gonna be, but as you get older, you're like, one day I'm I'm still gonna make, I'm still gonna write that novel, man. I'm still yeah. gonna do this. I'm still gonna, but but you don't, you're not the same little kid that's like, I'm gonna be the best athlete, and I'm gonna be the best actor, and then I'm gonna be the best, I'm gonna win the lottery too, and like that's what he's doing. He's driving around, he's like, and then I'll play for the for the, for the Mariners, and, and like just driving around <laughs> like an asshole. And then he's, I'm gonna be an extreme astronaut. He's saying shit like he's won the Nobel Peace Prize for one thing. And he's like, I won the Paul Robeson Best Negro of the of a Lifetime Acting Award. Like, fucking pick a goal, Sinbad. Maybe that's why you're so all over the board. And the Aunt Jemima Biggest Pancake in the World Award, which can't exist. God, I wish it did. I'd be a judge on that shit, huh? <laughs> Speaking of fat guys. Well, no, because everybody's getting housed by Uncle Buck. <laughs> God rest his fat soul. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's accurate, but it's true. Uh, so he goes home, and he's got like this. I guess it's his best friend since forever, who's like a tattoo artist, and he lives above his tattoo parlor. And I think it's like this guy owns the building, and he's, right, yeah. Sinbad's just kind of like fucking mooching off him for rent. Yeah, yeah, you know he's not paying any sorts of rent. And so w- what we realize is. You know, he's a fan of the get-rich-quick scheme, right? He's got his fucking potato chips, and he settles in for a night of VHS tape watching, and it's one of those, like, here's what you can do to manage your money into a successful home business. Like, those things that, like, if you fall for this, I mean, that's your own fucking fault, and folks at home. He's, but. Got the big, he's got the big McDonald's meal. He's drinking a two-liter thing of Jolt Cola, and he's got all sorts of scratch-off tickets. It's like, dude, yeah. get... Pick something and go with it. Yeah, either you're a degenerate gambler or you're a thief or whatever. And the friend comes in and he's like, oh, I got a package here. And he's like, oh, it must be my baseball cards. He's ordered like the whole Major League Baseball lineup of every team like in packs of baseball cards. And he's like, look at this, man. Ken Griffey Jr., blah, blah, blah. All these people like... These are going to be worth money someday, especially if they get hurt. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's just, I mean, look, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Like you said, all those car- those players that you like, it's not their rookie card, so that's useless. Yeah, and, yeah. And also, this is a get-rich-slow uh, scheme. <laughs> yeah, you're going to wait for all these ball players that probably got another, like, Depending upon, I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., this is 1995. You still got another, like, what, 15 years? He was batting around the MLB and for that's just ages. For, and that's just for, like, a good markup. That's not for, like, the real payoff. You would have to be 87 with the thing in mint condition, and then you can do that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, my 20s, while being a lot of fun, a lot of the time, were pretty rough. I wasn't exactly rolling in dough. I lived at home until I was about 25. And for most of it, I didn't have this show or you lovely people in my life. I just kind of drifted around without direction. and didn't know where to voice that. Then I started to get my crap together one piece at a time. And the last piece, which didn't come until my early 30s, was therapy. And man, I wish it came along sooner. 
Ever since I started sitting down as a licensed therapist, I've had a place to voice my insecurities and try to fashion plans to help me achieve my goals. So that's why I'm thrilled we're sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be flexible, convenient, and suited to meet your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and the good thing is you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WHM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash W-H-M. So $100 because they they printed a million of those fucking cards. Like trying to say I'm going to have like my fortune secured by a shipment of baseball cards is the dumbest thing anyone's ever thought of. I mean, he's got that and he's got a bunch of boxes of uh, moon rocks in the back. He's actually living more like one of those assholes who like works in the kiosks in the middle of the mall. He's just changing (laughs) up the... You know the merchandise every maybe year. that's what he's doing is he's he's building he's amassing his arsenal to be <laughs> the kiosk guy at the mall. He's gonna get all sorts of kung fu movies. Oh yeah, you know if he gets all sorts of weird stuff like that, he could open one of those Lord of the Rings stores, <laughs> the Shire Marts we used <laughs> to talk about. Like he's just got to get a like next in like next week he's getting a box of those wolf t shirts. Yep, and like a, a bunch of like rings that have dragons on them. <laughs> All sorts of novelty pins. He's talking to some glassware guys. Yeah, there's going to be a counter in the back of the store. So he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, man, of course I got to meet my girlfriend for dinner. And everyone's like, hold on, how? You have a what? And it, you're, you think we're going to go to the Dairy Queen and like she's, she's going to get off her shift and get into his car. But no, no, no. This is like a high-powered businesswoman and he missed a high-powered business dinner yeah like her boss was there and she's like you're late you stood me up you embarrassed me in front of my boss i'm like what the fuck dinner was this sinbad how did you miss this it seems pretty high important and i mean like just from the mindset of a shit heel why are you pissing in that well she's likely where you're getting all your money from mm-hmm. look i'm sorry then i can explain okay you stood me up you embarrassed me. You made me look like a fool in front of my boss. Look, I'm sorry. I can explain, all right? I can explain. You know, I'm glad I'm still here so I can slap your face. Don't slap me, all right? Keep moving. Lynn! Then we in the street, Lynn! Lynn! I'm serious. This one is not like the other ones. I swear, Lynn, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. This baseball card thing is going to be big. I mean, good for her, at least. She appears to be smart enough to not let Sinbad move in just yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, she just dumps his ass immediately. We never see this woman again in the movie. And, you know, he's going to go home and finish that bag. He's going to climb right into that bag of potato chips, which he could fit into. <laughs> it could be a nice little foil sleeping bag for him. That would be the best of the ending of the movie is him just... Curling up inside of it in like an alley in Pittsburgh, <laughs> homeless forever. That'd be great if the whole movie he's going through this bag of chips, <laughs> and then at the end it's like there will be blood. I'm finished. And it's just credits. <laughs> so then the mafia shows up. Ah, oh, welcome to the mafia. Here we go, featuring you know two two actors you've seen before. I don't know their names. They're- the one dude is Tony Longo, who's been in a million things. The other guy played uh, the Greek. On the second season of The Wire. Yeah, I think he was on Entourage, too, for a little bit also. Yeah, he was, uh, like, I think he was, like, the head of Warner Brothers on yeah. Entourage, yeah. 
Uh, it, it, it is like some Mickey Mouse mafia going on here. It's, 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 they're a bunch of clowns. They come in and like, you know, of course the big guy's a big idiot and the little guy's a little idiot. Like, you know, but he's the boss. And right. like, you know, they're like, he's like, you owe us 5000 Sinbad's like, oh yeah, of course. Uh, I borrowed $5,000, but I bought all these, uh, these baseball tickets, but baseball cards, don't worry. Give me 40 years. They'll be worth something. <laughs> and like, uh, uh-uh, uh, with interest, it's 50000 And like, First of all, your mafia math is off. Like that's just that's just number one. Like you know, if, you, if you're gonna run the mafia, let's just let's be realistic. Look who you're dealing with. The mafia doesn't have to be fair. It just has to be reasonable. Like you can say that kind of a markup if. Like, Sinbad has some sort of collateral that you can take away from him. Like, all right, Sinbad, you don't have fifty thousand dollars. Do you have $50,000 in moon rocks? Oh, that's impossible? Okay. <laughs> yeah, take a look around you, man. What are you going to get out? You can't squeeze blood from a shitty rock. You can't squeeze $50,000 from Sinbad. <laughs> Just, and I mean, look, it's not like The Sopranos where... You you've got uh, Robert Patrick owning that fucking uh, you know that sporting goods store, and Tony's right. like, "Oh yeah, I'll lend you five thousand bucks. Don't worry about it. Pay me back when you want." And then sooner than later, he fucking gets everything because that's what the mafia does. What do you want? A shitty fucking high top sneakers? <laughs> you want his reddish hair? Nothing's gonna happen there. You want a whole coupon book to McDonald's? Because guaranteed <laughs> he's got that shit locked away somewhere. Man, coupons to McDonald's. I've been there, and it's rough. Oh, yeah. When you got to fucking open up a ticket book and be like, hey, wait, I get an extra fry with that. Uh, your hand's shaking. You're like, it's supposed to be 50 cents off. <laughs> Dollar off my large Coca-Cola. Because <laughs> it's worth it. Uh, so, and, uh, yeah. just because we bring it up a lot, and I feel like we should here. At the top of this scene, he's going through the t- what's on TV tonight. Oh, yeah. And you want to talk about, like, we've talked about seeing other movies in shitty movies and wanting to watch those. This is just a litany of things I would rather. And uh, some of them aren't good, by the way. Boomerang's not a good movie. No, but I'd and rather Northern watch Expo- that. Northern Exposure isn't a great show, but The Simpsons, Groundhog Day, fucking Cheers, The Blazing Three Stooges. Saddles. I don't fucking need it. When I'm watching this Sinbad movie and I'm only 15 <laughs> minutes in for a nearly two-hour visit with this asshole. Uh, you know you're in trouble when you're fantasizing about watching that great Sam and Diane slap fight episode of Cheers. And you're in the middle of this Phil Hartman Sinbad movie and Phil Hartman's nowhere to be found yet. He's not even coming uh, around the bend. So, he's not. So like, all right. And it, it makes perfect sense because they're like, look, you got to give us $50,000 by tomorrow. And it's like. Why not make it a million? But hey, how about, <laughs> how about I give you all the stock to IBM tomorrow? Because none of it's going to fucking happen. They might as well be asking him for a Hawaiian island. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, 50, well, where is he going to get it? If you've given him weeks to come up with this money, mm-hmm. what is the next day going to do, honestly? So you just want to kill him. So just kill him there. If that's just the, kill him. Yeah, just, just, just put him out of his misery. Ask for the Ark of the Covenant for all I give a shit. You've chosen a life of crime. Mm-hmm. Kill him. <laughs> you know what? You strangle him with a fucking with the high top sneakers uh, with with the with the, st- the shoelace. You put him into that potato chip bag, and the big f- the other guy takes it out. He's like, "Oh man, do you love these potato chips?" And Sinbad's feet are hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, tattoo artist. 
Bye-bye. So what do you do in this situation? You can't pay back the mafia $50,000. So logically, grab your pet hamster, cage and all, and buy a plane ticket to the Bahamas. Under a fake name. I mean, how does that work? I wasn't doing a lot of air travel pre-9-11, like buying my own tickets, that is. So I don't know. Like, if you could ju- just go up and be like, uh, yeah, I'm Don Mattingly, one <laughs> ticket to L.A., please. I don't know if it worked that way. I'm sure you at least had to have a driver's license. Oh, yeah. They need that manifesto. And he definitely needs a credit card. Yeah, how are you buying a plane ticket? It's that girlfriend's credit card. Guaranteed he's got, like... <laughs> She, she, she was, he was like, she, she was leaving, you know, she's like, I'm leaving you. She punched him in the stomach and he just had a grifter's, a grifter's grip and had it. I just like, see you later, sweetheart. That's why he asked for the goodbye hug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just one, just one hug, please. <laughs> Yoink. Just for closure. We're just going to hug it out. So, yeah, so they, yeah. And he does give some fake bullshit, like a bullshit, like a, if you're going to use a fake name at the airport, you'd be like, oh, my name is uh, Robert Robert Johansson, uh, blah, blah, blah. No. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he calls himself Clarence Thomas the third. Yeah. It's Does a- he? Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's so stupid. And it's a trope of, like, he's not the world's smoothest con man. Not at all. He actually may be the world's worst con man. It's almost as if he's doing it for an audience's benefit in a bad comedy. <laughs> Like, it's almost as if these are really easy jokes that would never be done. Wait a minute. <gasps> you know what, though? That actually kind of makes a lot of sense if you, like, would like to theorize that this character knows that he's being watched by an audience in a mm. shitty comedy because of the amount of times Sinbad spikes the camera in this movie. It's a lot of, like, did you like that one? I hope you did. <laughs> There's more on the way. <laughs> Don't worry. Didn't leave yet, did. Good. <laughs> So the mafia catches up to him at the airport. Well, they knew he was going there. I mean, yeah. I, I think this is all like, I don't know what they're, maybe there's like a, a form they had to fill out. You can't kill the guy in the first visit. You have to give him at least 24 <laughs> hours. Like, right. All right. It's standard mafia procedure. All the contracts in the mafia, yes. But if he, sk- if he skips town, you can check the box. You right. know what I mean? That's right. You picked up at the airport, then you can murder him. <laughs> and so this is where there's a big fucking chase scene because he... One, he yells out that he sees Denzel Washington, and this crowd of women just freak the fuck out. This crowd of African-American women, and they're all, like, wearing the same T-shirts, so they're all going to the same place, and the idea is, like, African-American women love themselves some Denzel Washington. Well, it's not like you said there's the Beatles getting off a exactly. plane. Exactly. Denzel Washington. <laughs> I mean, like, he was a handsome dude, and people liked him, but, like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, like, screaming, fawning over It's him. utter madness. <laughs> Did that many women see Mississippi Marsala or what? <laughs> they did. I guess so. Uh, so, yeah, so it's that. And then, like, they kind of catch up to him. And then he sacrifices this hamster. He's like, I always knew it would come to this little buddy. Hope you can help me out. And he drops the hamster on the floor. And he's like, there's a rat in the airport. And everybody's losing their mind. And it's exa- It's a Dennis the Menace and his frog bit. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, this is not an adult with an adult pet that he loves. that he wants to. It's just like, oh, I got to bring Stinky on a plane. And he just lets it go. <laughs> and it's like, get the fuck out of here. You're a grown man. And they don't, you know, stay behind to watch that fucking gerbil kid stomped to death. Oh, yeah. That thing's in pieces by the end of this scene. That's uncomfortable. You look under your shoe. Oh, what did I fucking step on? It's just a bunch of gerbil mess. (laughs) Just eyeballs and bones. And then you, I mean, that's sticking with you 
for the rest of the month, the year. That's, oh, yeah. that's not even going to be as bad as the as the parts of the gerbil you have to scrape off your shoe <laughs> later in the front yard. That's, that's one when of those, it really hits. You know what it is? It's one of those things where you keep missing a piece. Oh. And it's like, Jesus Christ, it's been four days. And you just drive into the car. What is that? Oh, man. Fucking rotting gerbil flesh. <laughs> God damn it. And then you're having all sorts of gerbil nightmares because it's a horrific sight to see. Thanks a lot, Sinbad. The fucking trauma. So this is where he finally we get to Phil Hartman, at least. And he overhears Phil Hartman telling his kids, like, conveniently enough, well, I haven't seen this great friend of mine in 25 years. Here's a history of a lost friendship. (laughs) Did I mention that he's a tall, light-skinned black man? Oh, hey, Sinbad! (laughs) We begin in the summer of 79 when... <laughs> and it's this bullshit thing where, like, they used to be camp friends, which, I mean, inner city born and bred, so I've never been to summer camp. I don't know what goes on there except for what the movies told me. Sub- suburbs born and bred. I never went to a summer camp. Are I... you really making long-lasting friendships there? I went to summer camp. Um, I ha- Actually, I have met, I've met some lifetime- lifelong friends there. Okay. However... Most of it was just fucking sitting on, like, a gymnasium floor. Well, that's not a summer camp. You're talking about, like, a day camp, right? Like, uh, it's, it appears oh, like as a, if these fuckers, go, like, went off oh, to, no, you know, I, I, I've never been to that camp one, no. on Awana. No, yeah. no, I haven't been to one of those. Uh, so, yeah, so he's, like, he overhears it, like, what's that? He's waiting for a light-skinned black man he hasn't seen in the quarter <laughs> of a century? Perfect. <laughs> and he, t- I mean, and this... It's one of these things where you have to keep reminding yourself it's just a movie. And not because it's so horrifying, but because it's impossible that this would ever happen. He looks and he's just like, oh, hey, it's you? And Phil Hartman's like, it's me. And like somehow they just get over the hurdle of how impossible this would be in like five seconds. And it's so much of this movie is like not ever like. That 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 thing we always talk about is like if everybody just sat down and talked for five seconds, the whole movie would go a lot smoother. But no, no, and no one's giving each other the information they need to get to where they need to go. So it's- also, this movie wouldn't happen, uh, but because the movie presupposes that not just Phil Hartman, but multiple people in this movie. Just kind of assume that all black people look the same. Because that's exactly what's going on. There's a scene later where Sinbad runs into this gentleman's like old college professor or like dental school professor. Mm-hmm. And he looks at this man in the eye and the guy's just like, oh, you put on a little weight, huh? When we see this actor later, he clearly looks nothing like Sinbad. It's the guy from Firefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't look anything less like Sinbad aside from being a light-skinned black guy. Yeah, put on a little weight and gained like... Two feet. Jesus. Yeah, you grew 24 <laughs> inches. You're a lot younger than this guy should be. Your facial structure's different. That's yeah. interesting. And I don't trust you to do any kind of surgery at all. Well, someone does. We'll get to that in a little bit. So this is very much a taking care of business thing, right? right so like, yeah. we're, we're, he's like, oh man, let's 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 go. Let's let, let's get in the car, Phil Hartman. And then like for some reason he has to go. He's being uh, Phil Hartman's being paged by the, the real dude, yeah. the real dude. So Sinbad's like, no, 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 that that's me. I made a joke or some some bad Sinbad lie. And he runs <laughs> off to go deal with this guy and gives this other bad Sinbad lie, where he's like, hey man, uh, you know, guess what? Phil Hartman's wife's dying. 
so you can't go. And by the way, don't call the house because the disease she has is activated by the telephone. It's like, well, I'm a medical doctor. That makes perfect sense. Thanks, Sinbad. Like, uh, yeah, granted, this guy is like the world's best dentist or whatever, but like, you know, he's also an intelligent human being. And what the fuck kind of disease is that ever? That's a Sinbad fantasy disease. That's a Cronenberg <laughs> disease. <laughs> the telephone. Yeah, t- totally. So this dude falls for it, and Sinbad's like, all right, yeah, and his other request is you have to wear this hat I'm wearing. If someone is ever like, this other person told me to tell you you have to wear, oh, this hat I'm going to take off my head, someone's looking for this person, and you're about to be punched in the face. Or tased. Like, you might get a nice tase in the back and wake up someplace. You're at an airport. You might get taken. <laughs> you are really close to getting taken. Oh, and one more thing. Wear this hat, and they're going to take you. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, this dude gets punched in the face, and Sinbad flees the scene. Stealing luggage. Oh, yeah, just rips off some person's luggage bag. Just And not even this guy who almost has a similar body type to, which he really doesn't, but the movie pretends that that he does. Like, he just grabs any old luggage he can find. Put that in your back fucking pocket. And so, like, there's 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 a chase scene where it's like, Somehow, because Phil Hartman's kids don't want to buckle up and Sinbad's just fucking had enough of it, he gets out of the car and opens the driver's door and Phil Hartman's like, oh, you I, you want to drive? I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? This is my car. I'm picking you up at the airport. You're my house guest. Get, get this fucking passenger side drive. I know we're in a hurry for this big Parents' Day conference. Well, that's, uh, you know, so we can get into that. What happens in this movie is... Over and over and over again, the whole joke, the whole comedy well of this movie is people keep speaking in the vaguest of vague terms to Sinbad so that he's incapable of figuring out anything about this person, why he's here. Like Phil Hartman's like, I'm so glad you agreed to do this thing. And he's like, yeah, the thing. It's the worst whose line is it anyway that's ever been. Oh yeah, this is shitty short form improvisation. Absolutely, it's it, it, it's party quirks with a fucking moron, and like <laughs> you just like I don't know. I'm very hungry for human flesh, and the guy can't get cannibal. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. And so they're like, all right, we got to go right to Sally's school for the thing. And again, you know, I know this is such a it's a big deal for you to do this. So thanks a lot. And you're like. What could have possibly dragged this man from Baltimore all the way up to Pittsburgh to be at a school? And it's like, oh, it's a it's a career day conference. Okay, Phil Hartman, you have a job of your own. Why aren't you participating in career day? And you haven't seen this guy in 25 years. And so this guy out of the blue, you're a famous well-to-do dentist. And you're you're this guy that you were friends with in in summer camp 25 years ago, is like, hey, my daughter's got this career day. I wouldn't even respond to the letter. I really wouldn't. <laughs> well, I would just throw it right out. He's inviting him to a working weekend. It is a working weekend. He's got to give a speech. He's got to make all these like personal, you know, meet Appear- and greets with all. Yeah, he's making appearances, Run it, running a 5K. 
It's a big fucking deal. And I mean, like, yeah, Sinbad is a piece of shit in this movie because, you know, he's, like, abusing Phil Hartman's hospitality. But Phil Hartman's got his hand out this entire fucking movie. Oh, yeah, asking him to do also. I mean, it comes down to, like, will you drive my kid's carpool for the afternoon? Because I'm fighting with my wife, by the way. Uh, no, huh? it's straight up, hey, not, hey, I mean, he does. He does drive the kids. It's straight up, hey, fix my kids, would you? Oh, yeah, I just can't possibly talk to these little creatures. So be their dad for a while. Look, I'm tired. I got to do a lot of lawyering. So please, just deal with them. It's like that uh, Simpsons joke where he's having that dream because he wants to invent something to get himself out of debt. And they're like, why would we need to show you the invention, Mr. Simpson? It's the greatest invention (laughs) in the world. And he's just like, somebody please tell me what fucking career I have. Exactly. And he goes first and... There's a slide. There's a bunch of slides, and it's a bunch of like rotting teeth, and he doesn't. He can't figure it out, and it, like everyone thinks he's delightful. Like he doesn't even give a speech. He just does a, a Sinbad esque, like, "Oh, I'm having a seizure because this is so gross." And there's a bunch of non sequiturs be- before that. He's just like he says something about, "Hey, hey, that's lemonade, but that could be a meal." What the fuck are you talking about? He says something about like this. Uh, one slide comes up and he's like, I think I got one of those in my apartment. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And the audience is rolling in the aisle. <laughs> also, if that's in your apartment, again, are we in a Cronenberg movie? Sandwich is a sandwich, but that's a meal. So he escapes relatively unscathed. This science teacher, this bitter science teacher, raises his hand. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're a big hotshot dentist, right? And he's like, I guess I am. And he's like, yeah, in, in, in chapter five of your book, by the way, how many fucking famous dentists have written national best-selling books that everyone's just quoting in the street? Well, I mean, we'll get to the publishing industry in this movie later. <laughs> we sure will. This episode's brought to you in part by Rocket Money, and they have this question for you. They handed to me just now. Mr. Rocket just handed me this. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they pay around $80 a month on subscription services, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And with Rocket Money, you can lower those bills without resorting to having bean dinners every day of the week. You know, you have those bean dinners to try to save some few bucks. But if you were monitoring your spending with Rocket Money, you didn't necessarily need to eat every bean dinner. So find out what all the fuss is about. You know, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like the Stars app. Don't get me started. You don't have to go through all the back end of the website anymore. You don't have to call customer service. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place as well and categorizes everything. It's easy to keep track of a whole budget. Even I can do it and I got rocks in my head. So find out what 3 million people have already done. They've taken the rocket, folks. Stop throwing the money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHM. That is rocketmoney.com slash WHM. Once more, rocketmoney.com slash WHM, which stands for We Hate Movies. But this guy, he asks him, this is the question. It's not like... I would imagine to be like, oh, that's our local dentist. He wanted to know about your theory about... And then instead, it's like, 
you said in your chapter five of your book that you have made mistakes or some there's things you would have changed yeah you've in chapter five of your book you mentioned that if, if you had some things to do over you'd do them differently what would you do i would look the guy directly in the eye shrug and be like what the fuck do you want me to say <laughs> It is kind of just a generic whatever question. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, you know, there's this girl. Like, any, anyone could answer that question. Oh, there's a girl that I used to have that I don't have anymore. Like, right, oh, right. my God, I would have saved more money. I would have invested in this. No. Just, you know, why would you even ask that question, though? It's well, such a dickhead thing to do. he's trying to show the emperor, doesn't it? This fucking highfalutin dentist isn't coming to my, <laughs> my school and saying he's got a better career than me. I'm the fucking earth science teacher, pal. So uh, to get out of this jam real quick, Sinbad's always thinking on his feet, he is. Uh, he says that uh, everybody in the audience is going to get a copy of his book, and there's a ticket to the Pearl Jam concert in every book, and this place goes apeshit. And they just clear out of the auditorium. And what's really annoying about this is I hate those, like, screenwriting dead ends that they don't bother to acknowledge as a dead end. Because, like, cut to Phil Hartman and him and the kids are walking outside the school. And Phil Hartman's like, that was a great speech, Sinbad. Where's the, where's the like, the hardcore Pearl Jam fan that's like, where's my fucking ticket, motherfucker? What, is, <laughs> what are you doing saying there's a free Pearl Jam ticket? Or I'd be like, hey, Derek, what? What was it? What was it you're talking about? Like, why'd you lie to everyone about that Pearl Jam show? About your take? It doesn't seem like you know a whole lot about dentistry, Derek. <laughs> hey, Derek, what the fuck is? What's up? Are you, are you a con man, Derek? Is that what's going on here? Am I getting? Is it, you, you running the long con on me? So they go to the house, and we're introduced to Kim Greist, uh, Phil Hartman's wife. Kim Greist from Chud and Brazil and Manhunter. I notice how Chud's the first, but before Brazil. <laughs> well, in order know. of quality. <laughs> Honestly, in order of the films I've seen the most times. <laughs> Brazil's like fucking five hours, so I understand that. Yeah, that's a twice and done. So... So they're, like, preparing this huge feast for Sinbad, or the person that they think Sinbad is. And it's his family. You know, he's got, you know, the, the, the 2.5 kids, a perfect little family. He's got a, a little little girl who's just kind of a cute little kid, doesn't do much. Yeah, and yeah, I will say a positive note about House Guest. This little girl, not in any real offensive way, precocious whatsoever, totally harmless little girl character. Way to go, movie. There is a scene where she upstages Sinbad. <laughs> she certainly... Well, that's not really that <laughs> Not hard too to hard, but... <laughs> Kim Greist upstages him bad. <laughs> you leave Kim Greist out of this. Thor, the dog, upstages Sinbad. <laughs> oh, he's a beautiful dog acting. Uh, <laughs> and there's the kid who's in the Sandlot, whose only character trait is because the mid '90s he likes basketball. Right? Yeah, he exactly. Michael Jordan. Uh, for like... those Sandlot heads out there, he played Squints. Oh yeah, in the Sandlot. Um, and then yeah, there's also there's a teenage daughter we didn't mention yet who's got. A couple of problems. Trina Trainwreck, this lady is. She is really got some issues. Like, I mean, like, and it, it's fine. I totally get like making fun of teenage angst, but they push, they play this girl a little too straight. She's a little bit too close to the edge for my taste. This character is in the wrong movie. You know what I mean? It's pretty rough. Oh, weird, like, stay tuned situation, or Pleasantville thing. She clicked the picture. <laughs> she clicked the remote, and then she was in a Sinbad movie. But also, the the character, and I mean, we can kind of start talking about this. 
they don't really know who this character is. No, it's just all she's a metalhead girl. Like she's she's shown with like she's always listening to like heavy heavy metal. She's got like all all sorts of earrings, dark dyed black hair. She wears like Smith's t-shirts. Well, that's is... the thing. She kind of switches, right? Because yeah. it's yeah. When we first meet her, it's one thing. She's listening to like some like fake. I don't know if it's a fake hardcore. So, like it sounds fake. Enough. I believe it's Pig Destroyer. But is it we... Pig Destroyer? I don't know for I, sure. I mean, it's like I'm gonna kill my parents. Like yep. something fucking stupid. But then, like, cut to the second half of the movie. She's wearing the Smiths t-shirts. She's listening to Dinosaur Junior. You're like, what? Are you? <laughs> she's talking to all sorts of poetry. Sylvia Plath, obviously. Uh-huh. She's obsessed with Edgar Allan Poe. Baudelaire would understand me. Uh, yeah, Baudelaire would understand, all right. And she's dating this kid who's a, a complete, like, so she's a pretty well-read kid. So she'd be with some, like, nerdy guy or, like, a, the strong, silent type that's totally into D&D. But right. doesn't let anybody know he's into D&D. <laughs> but then he gets into college and it's kind of ironic, so he does it anyway. Right. But no, But she's dating this guy that, like... It's and again, it's the mid '90s, and the funniest thing in the world is hip hop culture uh, influencing suburbia. So it's a white kid that thinks he's black. Oh, he's this total wankster idiot, and he's got like his nickname shaved into his head. Like his name's Steve, but he calls himself St. Three. St. Three. All right. St. Three. Just kill yourself. Uh, <laughs> So this is this kind of like family dynamic we have here. And they're they're getting ready to have this big party for Sinbad in honor of his arrival and giving this fucking great speech at career day. And it's like a catered affair. There's a wait staff, a, like a personalized menu for Sinbad because this guy's in real life is like a vegetarian. Desmond Tutu came to your house. This is the style in which he would have to be received. Like, oh, oh no, no. yeah. Oh, no, we, we've got to have it's, – it's got to be a catered affair. Yeah. Black tie all around. Like, <laughs> this is just some old friend from camp that's a dentist. It's a successful <laughs> dentist. Pull out the fucking grill and be done with it. <laughs> exactly. Just be done with it. Get a 12 or a fucking Heineken and everyone's having a gravy time. And, you know, Phil Hartman's like, all right, put on your best suit, Derek. And, like, Sinbad's like, oh, I hope I have a suit that fits me in this, lo- this luggage that I stole. And he does. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Who was be? Uh, by the way, it is a, and this I've never seen before. It's a suit that belongs to a funeral parlor with like the funeral parlor's like initials on like the breast pocket. I didn't know they had those. Like, what is that? If like you can't afford to be buried in a suit, they're like, well, here you go. And I mean, this is the chance for. A lot of jokes. There's a lot of jokes to be had by this joke of him opening it up and, I don't know, it's like a pants suit or something like that. Yeah. Or just an ill-fitting suit. Which, short arm, short pant legs, it, it a would man, have, the legend t-shirt, anything. It would have to be ill-fitting unless it was Andre the Giants or someone – like <laughs> Sinbad's a big fucking dude. Like it, it, it's, a, it's a big and tall situation no matter what goes on. Maybe it's Tom Noonan's suit. <laughs> In the Garden of Eden. Oh, Manhunter? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Manhunter. Crap. All right. It. It's the mid-90s. Maybe it's a Dikembe Mutombo suit. <laughs> Why is he getting buried? He's not dead. <laughs> He's in a Geico commercial just recently. He is adorable in that Geico commercial, isn't he? Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> it's so great. So, of course, they're going to have this big fancy fucking party. This suit somehow fits him perfectly. Like, he's never worn more comfortable clothes in his life. And his job it's is to... cartoon sh- mice came out and sewed it for him. 
And it's his job to go around and schmooze with all these people because they're all there for Sinbad. And he still doesn't know he's a dentist yet. And we're 45 minutes in. This guy still doesn't know what his character trait is. So, I mean, it is just ridiculous. He's going around to all these people. And, like, proof in the pudding of him being a bad con man. They're like, oh, what does the little uh, the initial stand for? And with every person that asks him this, and there's a big hilarious montage around it, he gives a different answer depending upon, like, what inspires him by looking at that person kind of a thing. And it's like, how about you just stick to something? You're if you're trying to create this false identity, yeah, you you go, you you talk to two different people, you tell them two different things. What happens if later in the night they come together? You're fucked. <laughs> well, also, Bill Hartman is going around to all these people and just yapping about his friend to everybody in the town. He's yeah. a little chatty, Kathy. My friend, yeah, my friend, the dentist is here. Uh, who? Oh, yeah, the dentist right over there. Isn't he great? Oh, he said that he actually worked for the National Aeronautic and Space Institute. It was on his jacket. And he knows French and oh. other things. Huh. I guess that makes him a big liar. You know, come to think of it, he really bombed that career day thing, and he hasn't exactly <laughs> fit into any of the molds that we thought we had. Yeah, he's a big liar. All right, well, let's, let's kill him. <laughs> or call the police. Ah, you got to kill him. He's in your house. I mean, he's... He's already touched your daughter. You got to kill him. <laughs> Speaking of touched your daughter, Jeffrey Jones shows up in this movie. <laughs> man, oh, man. You know what? That is one. You know, like Pete Townsend from The Who, like when that came out and he was like, oh, I'm researching a book. And you're like, whatever. And I don't give a fuck because it's The Who and I don't really care. But this for me was like, oh, come on, Jeffrey Jones. I like you in things. Most things. He's like a good. He adds things to movies. Like it's really honestly. It was on the other day, too. Uh, when we were down in Philly for the lady in the water thing, we we're watching TV. Ferris Bueller's on. It's impossible for me to watch a good, wholesome movie like Ferris Bueller's Day Off without thinking of child pornography. Thanks a lot, Jeffrey Jones, you piece of shit. Yeah, and he just, you know, he he pleaded no contest to trying to, to ha you know, have a kid take picture, take lewd pictures of himself, and he's just like, whoops, but I was at Beetlejuice, right, everybody? And America <laughs> applauded, and he didn't go to jail. It adds a really creepy undercurrent to Stay Tuned, which, by the way, <laughs> Stay Tuned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stay Tuned for Stay Tuned. <laughs> Absolutely. Because essentially that whole fucking movie is about a guy trying to get two kids in a house alone. <laughs> He just happens to use, you know, the hell TV station to get rid of them. <laughs> Come to think of it, what is what is Ferris Bueller's day off but this overzealous principal <laughs> coming out of this kid's house that's just trying like, you know, he's trying to teach this kid a lesson. He know, he's got him right where he wants him, doesn't he? It's not just trying to teach him a lesson. He's trying to punish him. He's trying to make sure he stays in his school, nice and close and comfy. Yeah, I don't want you going off to college yet, Bueller. You're going to stay right here with Rooney's roommates. This is kind of a revelation because now in Beetlejuice, he's trying to, for unknown reasons, he's trying to get away from the city, all the temptations <laughs> of the city. <laughs> Moving yeah, the family he's, he's out. He's a quiet, a new quiet place where not everybody, you know, not everybody has, it's a little bit before Megan's Law. He doesn't have to tell everybody everything just yet. It's also a town where nobody knows him, really. <laughs> a fresh start, if you will. And then, boom, he's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's already like applying for like little league coach to see what happens. <laughs> and you know what? Appropriately enough, in Devil's Advocate, he's murdered by demons. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. One of my favorite scenes in any movie. And I, the Devil's Advocate's not a good movie, but when Jeffrey Jones gets his, holy oh. shit. Man, that's satisfying. It's even more satisfying now. Note to self, Devil's Advocate rewatch. And I mean, so D- D- Jeffrey Jones, uh, by the way, he's in this movie. Uh, he plays a real dentist and like, you know, he starts, this is when Sinbad learns he's a dentist and like, you know, obviously he's a good foil for Sinbad because like he can call bullshit on Sinbad's bullshit because he's like, right. but I'm a fucking dentist. <laughs> and Jeffrey Jones, I mean, you know, we just ragged on him for, you know, poor life cho- choices, but He's really good in this movie. He's really good in almost he's everything he's in done. Almost it. everything he's done, which makes it so fucking frustrating. You know what? Here's the thing. If Sinbad got those charges put against him, I wouldn't give a flying fuck. <laughs> I'd watch House Guest and be like, yeah, whatever. That fucking figures. Not Jeffrey Jones, though. God damn it. It's, it's always like the if, good ones. It's just, yeah, it's like as if you found something really bad about Steven Tobolowsky, which is actually impossible, and I hope it never happens. I'll kill myself. <laughs> But, I mean, it's also like he does kind of do the Ed Rooney thing in this movie a little bit because instantly he's suspicious of Sinbad. Mm-hmm. Because being a dentist just like Sinbad is supposed to be, he's like, well, say, you don't appear to be the way a dentist would act. Also, by the way, like, I can imagine, like, uh, a couple, like, surgeons, they get, like, very broy and they get very jealous of one another. Jealous dentists? Because he's the world's most famous dentist. So, right. Uh, let's cut ahead a little bit. Uh, there's a golf scene that goes on forever, and uh, <laughs> Phil Hartman's racist boss <laughs> oh, gets, yeah. g- gets his tooth impacted along the way, and now all of a sudden they're like, hey, Sinbad, you're a famous dentist. Why don't you take his tooth out back at uh, Jeffrey Jones's, uh, you know, dentistry place? A dentist's <laughs> office? That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Go to his dentistry factory. <laughs> That's why I'm not a screenwriter. <laughs> or a dentist. <laughs> you wouldn't know where to go to work. <laughs> so, yeah. And they're like, oh my god, fine, oh my god, we get to watch him be a dentist, and everyone's <laughs> fucking going nuts. Oh man, there's like a, 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 a whole class of people that are like, it's like a, like, a, the, like the dentist teachers bringing the class over from the dentist university. The, the dentist professor cut off whatever was going on that day. Shoved a bunch of his students in a van, sped over to watch this guy pull a tooth out. Jeffrey Jones is like, did you say put students in a van? (laughs) Want to borrow a van? (laughs) And Phil Hartman's got the world's most enormous heart on. Because the the guy that he went to fucking summer camp with is going to do dentistry in front of him. And oh my God, won't that be fun to watch? And I feel to a degree, it's kind of like a status thing in the town, right? He's like... Hey, everybody, you sure did love this guy I brought to town. Well, just remember, come Christmas season, remember who brought him to you. Mm -hmm. It's like he's the one responsible for this rock star dentist in town. (laughs) And I mean, this is the most trailered scene in the film is when Sinbad accidentally is washing his hands with Novocaine. (laughs) I mean, mean, like, it's really fucking stupid. It's so stupid. Like... So what are we led to believe there? Like, we know from the, the prologue of the film that Sinbad's an orphan and he's in this fucking Catholic orphanage and da-da-da-da-da-da. Does he not know how to read? <laughs> it clearly says right on the label what it is. And he's just, like, getting his hands in it. It's just, like, green He goop. takes a big glo- – like, do you know how to wash your hands? <laughs> 
is my end game here is do you know how to wash your hands? Because he takes like like if Pooh Bear was taking a big glob of honey and then was like about to eat it. That's what he takes to wash his hands. I'm surprised he didn't eat it. I'm actually surprised he didn't need it. And I mean, as if this guy needed more of a hindrance to not be a good dentist. He doesn't know. Like he has to do. I'd be fucking freaking out anyway. Now my hands are numb. And he's like, oh, fuck. Better keep going with my thing. He doesn't let up. No, he's no. like, well, okay, this is happening. This is happening. And, this, he's, and, and to me, and this comes to uh, an issue with me with this movie is that, like, wouldn't this movie be much, much better if he had, like, if Phil Hartman had noticed something? Yes. And they had this secret thing, like, look, I have this status in this town. Yeah. I need you to be on game. So me and you are going to work together and we're going to make sure everybody loves you. <laughs> And if yeah. that, that dynamic actually allows for some comedy and lets Phil Hartman do something in this movie. That is a big problem with this movie for me is when I started it up, like you're watching Sinbad with his fucking potato chip sleeping bag and whatever. And I'm just like, all right, well, at least Phil Hartman's in this movie. Technically, Phil Hartman's in this movie. But realistically, Phil Hartman is nowhere to be found in this movie. Phil Hartman is one of my biggest comedy idols he's one of the things i still get really really upset about when i think of you know that day in may 1998 that i just can't you know <laughs> deal with but like that's not him in this movie he's nowhere to be found and i mean th- that's it's not like oh man phil hartman's in a bad sinbad movie that you know it sucks for him he's got nothing to do he usually is a great straight man to anything you put him like he defines what a straight man should be doing in a comedy scene no matter what like he's always reacting exactly right and making he makes smart choices and here it just i don't know if he was preoccupied with whatever but he's just not there i mean he defied those odds in jingle all the way and they're almost like greater odds he is able to pull a great performance out of a dumbass sinbad slash arnold schwarzenegger (laughs) movie he is fucking hilarious in jingle all the way he's hands down the best part of that movie and here you're just like man he's just taking a cold shower the whole time i mean and this comes to a head when like he's just sitting on at one point he's just sitting on a fucking ledge of a bridge eating a big mac and that's the whole point of it i feel is yeah. that like here? It's him with our fucking flat. It's McDonald's because McDonald's is everywhere. Oh, every in this nook fucking and movie. Of this movie, and he is just like here. Here's our flagship fucking sandwich in Phil Hartman's hands. Eat it, America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what was going on with McDonald's. If there was like maybe there were new laws that the, maybe there was like some litigation in process, like. You can't advertise to kids anymore, and they got all scared. Like, well, we got to start making movies. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is, but there's something uncouth about this movie and McDonald's. Well, do you think, like, the sting from Mac and Me had finally worn off? <laughs> I mean, because that's, like, McDonald's and Me, the movie, you know. Like, they were finally like, all right, let's 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 dip a little bit back into McDonald's. Like, we're not going to have a dance scene with an alien inside of McDonald's, but we can have maybe one character have McDonald's be his favorite. Favorite food, and he's eating it all the time, and he uses a McDonald's restaurant as a meeting place multiple times in the film. Like, I, but- I definitely think it has something to do with the children thing because the first thing fucking Sinbad says is "and Mickey D's for the adults," which is an incorrect statement. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, 
his whole character motivation is McDonald's. When he tries to escape Phil Hartman's house because he's like, oh, my God, you know, this family's too crazy. And he's, like, running away. And he's like, you know, but I still got to run away from the mafia. I only have, like, X amount of dollars to get where I need to go. First, let me spend as much money as I can at McDonald's. (laughs) And then I'll see how much money I have for the bus to save my fucking life. (laughs) People have guns and they're fucking going after me they have no idea where i'm gonna sleep tomorrow but i better shove a fucking burger into my face well because first. it's the fucking gang that couldn't shoot straight yeah. running around <laughs> yes. this goddamn town it's a good rule of thumb though okay running away from the mafia and saving your own life always comes first <laughs> fast food is a close second i can understand where you're coming yeah, from sure. Sinbad. you know like especially for me if this was like you know 15 years ago and taco bell still made the chili cheese burrito god damn how do you make such a crucial mistake like that taco bell i'm talking to you executives taking that shit off the fucking menu take that away from me <laughs> but i mean like yeah how fucking dumb and childish are you i mean it's a, it's another Pooh bear move like Okay, Pooh Bear, you have two seconds. You can either use these two seconds to run away from the honeybees and go find another honeypot, or dig into this honeypot, eat all the honey, and be stung to death. Oh no, Piglet, the bears didn't cover the spread. The mafia's <laughs> gonna break my legs. It's not a very good Pooh Bear. Oh, yeah, I don't have one. You need a bit of husk. It's a really tough voice to it do. It is a tough voice, but I, you, no, I can you know, see Pooh Bear running away from the mafia. Make your own jokes. It's right, fun. right. Well, you know, then, like, you know, the owl comes out of the treehouse and he's just got his little wings folded. He's looking down. Rabbit comes out from behind the tree and fucking kneecaps him. <laughs> and then Eeyore just goes, like, I like Burger King. <laughs> Oh, Eeyore fucking has seen some shit this day, man. He's oh, just... yeah. He's broken. Oh, yeah. He has PTSD. He's like Tim Robbins at like the latter half of Mystic River, just like damaged goods. Or... Eeyore's just thinking about vampires. <laughs> I kind of hope inside Eeyore's brain, it's kind of like Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> Eeyore, the fucked up Vietnam veteran. And, and the last episode of Winnie the Pooh is him just wait. It's just like a pan out. And it's some like some veterinarian just pulling the sheet over Eeyore. <laughs> Chris Cabin's The Extreme Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I'd watch I'd it. Buy every fucking novel, McDonald's Collector's Cup from that. A lot show. of curse words in this. So yeah, I like he's. What a nudity. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? What is that thing with the tail that keeps on poking at him? A.A. <laughs> a. Milne's rolling over in his grave. <laughs> What's Jeffrey Jones doing with Christopher Robin? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, right. Sinbad can't get himself no McDonald's, right? That's right. the big... That's He's like the tricks rabbit. That's like his motivation <laughs> for two-thirds of this movie because like he's trying to get it... Before he can't do it, and like Phil Hartman's sitting down, and he's like, you know, you did a great job. By the way, he fucking pulls that guy's tooth out. I think we left that hangler. It doesn't matter. No, he doesn't. He gets hit by a machine. He's like about to do. It. He's got like pliers, and then like the dentist like light apparatus like accidentally swings around and hits Sinbad in the face, and he just pulls it out. Like who? What? God and, damn it! And, who cares? And really, that was the complicated surgery. You had to pull a tooth out. 
Yeah, that's what's so stupid is like, you know, not to harp on this much longer, but Jeffrey Jones is looking at the x-rays and he's like, I think we need to do this and this and this procedure in order to avoid nerve damage and this, that, and the other thing. It's serious dentistry. And he just pulls the tooth out and like the the whole dentistry class and the professors just give it a big old round of applause. <laughs> oh, like it fucking saw a magic show. Like, congratulations, <laughs> everybody. It's dentistry. <laughs> you just saw Jesus in dentist form. <laughs> One of the things he sees at McDonald's is the little uh, teenage girl's shitty boyfriend, like, you know, uh, making out with some other girl. And he's like, oh, man. And he kind of starts building up, like, he sees the, all the ways this family's fucked up. One of which is that Phil Hartman's company is trying to run his wife's business out of town. Right. And so, he's, like, okay with it? Yeah, it's a weird, like, Phil Hartman is a lawyer at a big law firm. And. His big racist boss is like, hey, we're going to represent so-and-so as they bring in a big new frozen yogurt chain. And Phil Hartman's like conflicted. He's like, well, that's fucked up because that's, you know, it's going to run Linda's chain out of the out of the city. And so he's like not telling Kim Greist what's going on here. But he resents her like success anyway. And like totally. And they have like this whole dead marriage. Like there's this there's scenes of them screaming at each other in front of these fucking kids. In front of Sinbad. <laughs> Sinbad can't take it with mom and dad fight. <laughs> And I mean, Sinbad is, right, so Sinbad, like, you, you realize what's happening when he's in his McDonald's, and he sees that, the, you know, the teenage girl, uh, the boyfriend's cheating on her and everything, and he's, like, building a profile yeah. in his Sinbad head of, of, like, all the fucked up things, you know, one of which, by the way, the other thing is, like, the son, little squints, he's all fucked up because he's, like, you know, Phil Hartman's pressuring him, like, you're going to go play in the NBA someday. Which, by the way, if any parent out there is like, you're going to play in the NBA someday, as opposed to, like, if you want to, wrong move. Maybe want to want to wait for that growth spurt. Yes, totally. this kid's like four and a half feet tall. Wanna, wanna wait. See, see how puberty shakes out. If he's exactly. six foot eight, you're like, well, you know, you probably should think about basketball. So speaking of basketball, we have this scene where another huge problem is... This kid's terrible at basketball. I mean, he's not terrible, but he's just, he's a little kid. He likes basketball, blah, blah, blah. Phil Hartman's pressuring him. So Sinbad, in a scene where he's volunteered to take over the family carpool for the afternoon. Because this is just an inconsolable, a fucking barn burner fight at home. And everyone, Sinbad's like, yeah, I'll take these kids out of here. Where do you want to go, kids? <laughs> it's the fucking War of the Roses in there. <laughs> And so he's like, all right, I'm going to drop you know, little Lucy off at dance practice with her friends and whatever. And where you want to go, Mark? Oh, you want to go play basketball? And he sees like he's getting bullied and everything. So in comes Sinbad to save the day, just like eight crazy nights. <laughs> he's going to go in and he's, he's like, all right, I'm going to say that me and Squints versus all five of you teenagers, you know, we're going to play a little pickup game of basketball. And they make... A really creepy wager, which is if they lose, if Sinbad and Squints lose, he's going to give these kids Phil Hartman's Volvo. <laughs> By the way, way to roll the dice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you haven't seen these kids play, but that's the thing. He's Sinbad. He's the greatest thing at everything. So he's like, and if we win, we have to take all your clothes what? Jeffrey Jones falls out of a tree with binoculars <laughs> around his neck. Oh, fuck! <laughs> so they play this game, and of course, you know, Sinbad, Sinbad's playing like it's the fucking game seven to the third round of the finals. <laughs> He's like checking the ball off their faces. He's given a couple of pretty hard charges. He's like really <laughs> fucking with these kids. And they win this game. 
cut to all these children standing in a playground in their underwear. I got, I kind of wish that like, it was, cause it is a montage of the game. Of course. Well, I, we have to yeah, have a because montage. I mean, then it's two and a half hours and who's watching this thing. But like, I kind of wanted him to like Reggie Miller them a little bit, like kind of like get in their heads a little bit. <laughs> Choke <during> somebody. <laughs> And, but no, but it's even worse because like you don't have that scene where he's like because it it is a montage and it just cuts and they they don't have their clothes and it's like you know like when when uh, you know Donald Duck's like fucking pants fall down he does that little <laughs> shake thing and he covers his junk yeah his duck junk right and that's what they're doing they cover their duck junk and to their little boxer shorts but there's not that scene where Sidbad's like oh I wasn't kidding you take those fucking clothes off. Yeah, where's each, each that? One of, each one of you. Where this huge Frankenstein motherfucker <laughs> intimidates these 13-year-old boys into taking their clothes off in a public park. <laughs> Underline public. In oh, that. Yeah. There's people everywhere. Nobody's stopping this. That's before that, that wonderful, one of the best rules society ever thought of. is like, hey, you know what? If you don't have a kid that's your own kid, you're not allowed at a playground anymore. Totally. Same with, like, a Chuck E. Cheese. Get the fuck out of here, Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> Keep on walking, Jackie Earl Hurley. Nobody wants you here. <laughs> He's never touched kids. He just played one. Right. He just uh, played a kid toucher in a very terrible movie. And I'm, so that's one thing. And, like, this girl, this teenage girl is fucked. She's, she's like, crying around. Oh, yeah. fucking, it's who's afraid of Virginia Woolf downstairs? <laughs> she doesn't know how to fucking deal with this shit. She's crying her eyes out every night. And, like, Sinbad's like, well, I guess I'll go in there and help her out now. Like, well, th- what's... Wh- here's the thing, though. Sinbad is not, well, I guess I'll go help her out. Kim Grease and Phil Hartman are like, so, Sinbad, you appear to have made some sort of connection with Janie. Could you go talk or talk to her? And Sinbad's like, Jesus, I wish the mafia just fucking cut my throat already. <laughs> Sinbad, look, Kathy cut myself is up there, and she... <laughs> Is really she's listening to Dinosaur Junior all day. She's really in a bad place. Could you go and tell her how you know the boyfriend isn't such a big deal? And he does. And he does. And you know, Sinbad gives some pretty sound advice in the way only Sinbad could. But you know, the basic, mostly with his hands, right? <laughs> the basic <laughs> gist of this, you know, gesticulation fest is, you know, listen, you're better than this. You know, you can't put up with this dude's shit. You know, you're a beautiful girl. There's a point where it's kind of like, are you coming on to this teenager, <sighs> Sinbad? Little... Like he takes it a little too far. You know, all while Dinosaur Dinosaur Junior is playing in the background. But it's like this girl is like sobbing. She's like. Look at my parents down there, Sinbad. This is fucking horrendous. This family's falling apart. You know, and Kim Grease, you have a good maternal instinct. Maybe you should have her talk to a doctor. Not a dentist that's staying at your house, but maybe a fucking therapist. And also maybe take the fighting in, into the bedroom or something. Just close a door. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that's the worst, man. Just like parents fighting that aren't yours, but you're just there. Mm-hmm. I remember one specific sleepover where I could not concentrate on Sports Center hard enough because <laughs> fucking six feet away the world was ending. You're just like Jesus Christ, take it upstairs. <laughs> it's just like, oh, uh, what do you think about the Packers this year? <laughs> I never loved you anyway, whore. <laughs> I think Brett Favre's gonna set a record. Oh, <laughs> uh, so then it's down to Sinbad's got a. Fix Phil Hartman's attitude. Honestly, like Kim Grease is the only one here who's kind of like getting off scot free. She's not a great mother to those kids, but like she does not have any support system whatsoever from Phil Hartman. Not at all. He's too fucking busy. 
And Zimbat's like, get your head out of your ass. Your kids are terrified of you. You're treating your wife like fucking garbage. You know, you're letting your boss screw over your wife's business, which, by the way, if that goddamn yogurt store closes, that's half your fucking income, dummy. You'll have to move out of your mansion. Yeah, totally. You're, you, you now live with, like, uh, an entrepreneur. Like, yeah. she has a huge business. Take it, ta- like, and... That's kind of the shitty thing about this whole movie is it's it's saddling Phil Hartman with this like shitty like uh take back your manhood vibe and it's really doesn't like come through at the end because he's just kind of being an asshole anyway. He doesn't learn anything. I mean really the things that change in this movie are absolutely nothing. Like <laughs> as as we so he you know Phil Hartman like goes and stands up to his boss and says you know fuck you I quit and he puts ice cream in this old man's face. It's pretty great. He also calls him a bigot which is awesome. <laughs> Bigot's a great one. Like cuz I mean racist gets thrown around a lot and it's 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 an edgier one but calling somebody a bigot that's like the moral high ground way to yeah. fucking put down a racist. Especially when you're rubbing Froyo in the old man's face. I don't know. That's moral high ground at that point. Cause you, <laughs> you could probably kill that old man. Who, who the fuck knows what happened? It's moral delicious ground. How about that? And it's in front of his his boss's wife. Oh, yeah, that woman's horrified. That's the woman that set up career day. Who did nothing to him. Nope. No, no. And, you know, everything's working out. He fixed the family, like, and... Uh oh! They get home and the mafia is there because the mafia has been closing in the whole movie. These two, these two idiots and their boss, <laughs> who by the way is in love with like lottery scratch cards, like he's always got them. And like, what kind of mafia is this? When you, you're playing the lottery every day, I think it says a lot to what kind of a person Sinbad is yeah. that he's roped up with shitty mafioso. Yeah. He can't even get the Don Corleone's or the Tony Sopranos coming after Well, that's him. the thing. is This kind of would remind me of, like, if it wasn't the Sopranos. It was the Walnuts. <laughs> if Polly Walnuts was allowed to take over an entire crime organization, I think right. it might go down the shitter this way. <laughs> <laughs> it just runs the business into the ground. Because I can imagine Polly Walnuts <laughs> with a bunch of scratch-offs like being like, this is my way out of fucking Tony's grasp. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I thought it was a good idea, T. What do you want from me? It would be great if at the end of this movie, you know how like in The Departed when Kevin Corrigan gets in trouble for like dealing drugs on uh, Jack Nicholson's turf? Because you can't just be in the mafia. You need to like get be connected. That's what right. I think this is. I think it's just this old man who has two goons and says, hey, I'm in the mafia. Like, if the real mafia came and sat this old man down, like, I hear you taking money from Sinbad now? <laughs> like, oh, 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 hey, you're going to take money from Sinbad? <laughs> it would, Sinbad used to give us money, first of all. <laughs> we get a taste of that Sinbad money. Taking money from Sinbad, you're taking money from us. <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't you go, go, go to Ralphie May, see what you can get out of him? So they're at the house. They got a gun on the family. And again, like, why do the stakes need to be this high? There shouldn't be guns in this movie. Honestly, there really shouldn't because it's just it's a goofy little comedy. And we're yeah. all kind of like maybe he he should have at the end. Jeffrey Jones should be the villain because he's going to out him. And then like it doesn't matter and whatever. It, the, the, the whole she's all that plot. Let's go through the whole thing. Like, that's fine. But the mafia being there, there's like a fucking gun to this kid's head. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The gun goes off at one point and pops little Jimmy's basketball. Mm-hmm. Like That, that could have you been know, your brain, kid. There's yeah. a scene earlier where the little girl is just waving a gun around. Oh, yeah. She's like, mommy says I shouldn't play with guns. She's holding this fucking Luger at this guy's <laughs> balls. 
it's just like, why does it need to go to that extreme? I, I hate when you know comedies can't like like take one toke over the line with that tone. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. And that's exactly what happens here. Like they walk in the door, and it's like Phil Hartman's like thanking Sinbad for saving the family. Like he's getting a little frisky with Kim Grease. Like 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 something's going down upstairs tonight. You know what I mean? Like thanks for shoving yogurt in that old man's face. Let's fuck about it. <laughs> And, like, it's all broken. The second they walk in, Phil Hartman's like, oh, my God, a gun on my whole family. Well, this seems like it's something out of a different movie entirely. <laughs> and for whatever reason, the guy from Firefly is there again. And he's like, well, I'm really the Der- Derek Martin or whatever his name is. And he's like, right. just because he- he's been cold on the trail of what's been going on in this movie. And, like, we have to have everything come slamming back into Sinbad's face at the same time. Jeffrey Jones we haven't seen in 40 minutes. It's like, hey, is your son home? And Oh, no, he doesn't say that, but he says, <laughs> he says, ah, this man's an imposter, and I'm gonna fucking out him for the imposter that he is. Yeah, and then just, like, you know, so whatever, like, the whole thing is sort of Fixed more or less. The, like, they take Sinbad off to get fucking killed. Yeah. Like, get in the car, Sinbad. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I guess you know, this guy that we've lived with for a long weekend is just going to go off to get shot like a horse. Okay. <laughs> Grandma, let's get out of here, Joe. What's going on here? Come on. I'll miss you. I'm going to miss you too, Sarah. Yeah, come on, beat it, kid. Honey, honey, please. I appreciate everything you've done. Bye. Bye, guys. Oh, come on. Bye. Come on, my leg's killing me. Let's get out of here. Nice knowing you, Sinbad. And like, thanks for the advice, pal. Yeah, thanks for saving my family. Good luck getting murdered. <laughs> Hope there's an afterlife, you know. And then, like, you know, uh, Phil Hartman's left with this other dude from Firefly, and he's like, "Well, no wonder we wouldn't have been good friends because you're nothing like Sinbad and you know, all this shit. You don't like McDonald's at all, do you?" And then, <laughs> and then Jeffrey Jones turns around and he's like. You know what? I haven't had a milkshake in weeks. I am going to run that 5K. And you're like, what the fuck are you even doing here in the first place? <laughs> He's like got like Jeffrey Jones. I'm sure there's like six scenes in the cutting room floor with Jeffrey Jones preparing for this 5K. Because you don't even know about it. You're like, all right, I guess so. Like It's like he runs in and just as soon as he gets there, he's like, oh, isn't school getting out? And he leaves. <laughs> And, you know, Phil Hartman's like, all right, I'm going to go fight the mafia. And his whole family's okay with it. I'd be like. Hey, Dad, why don't we just call the police? Yeah, uh, this is a serious call the police moment. Like, listen, this vagabond that we took into our house, he's just been kidnapped by the mafia, you know, whatever. They parked outside my home. Their license plate is this, 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 this. Yeah. And so, you know, they track him down, and it's a big, dumb chase scene. And, of course, because it's Sinbad, him and Phil Hartman are now running this 5K. They stop off to get ice cream. They stop off to get chicken. I'm surprised at the end of the movie, Mayor McCheese doesn't spell Sinbad from this. It's like, <laughs> give him the, the steak money to open his own McDonald's. <laughs> Gives him to the, the key to the McDonald's fortress. <laughs> and earlier in the film, Sinbad has scratched off a lottery ticket that he gets really excited about. So then the end of the movie is like he finally has collateral for these shitty henchmen. And he's on, like, the dude's on the phone with the boss. And he's like, oh, well, Sinbad said he's got a lotto ticket. And this guy's like, lotto tickets? What kind of a lotto ticket? And they just let him off the hook. Mickey Mouse Mafia. No thanks. Which, you're in the same situation. It's not like a scratch-off, like, fucking, like, here it is. You could maybe win $500 if you scratch our You've won. You've won a chance to go on a TV show where you might not win any money 
at all. It's like you got to spin a wheel of fortune wheel and you might win money. Like that's what the mafia settles with. And why is the mafia going on television anyway? That's not a great idea. (laughs) You're the mafia. Your job is to lurk in the shadows. So and also they should break Sinbad's kneecap just for the sake of it. I mean, these guys have been fucking tailing him for days and days. Oh, yeah. The one guy's on crutches due to all the shenanigans. Like, at least break a kneecap to be like, I never want to see your fucking Sinbad face again. I'll okay? take your lottery ticket, but you got no thumbs left. <laughs> so the it literally fades to black on this dude saying lotto ticket. <laughs> and then it's like six months later and it's Christmas time and Sinbad's driving a nice car and you're like, oh, Sinbad's kind of rolling in it. What's going on here? How could he possibly have finally made his millions that he's driving this Porsche or whatever? And the way he does it is he writes a best-selling book about how to be a good house guest. What are you even saying right now? It's one page long. Have some fucking tact. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, you see the cover of this book. He looks like fucking Dr. Phil on this thing. Of course he's wearing sweatpants. Yeah, he's wearing a real Steve Harvey tuxedo. And it's just like, oh, well, whatever. You know, how, I mean, like, why? And it's a number one national bestseller. And, like, they, they stop by, like, you know, the camera's panning to this Christmas party, and the studio's like, oh, it's been sold out for months. It's yeah, like, she's like, I keep trying to get it at Barnes & Noble, and it's just sold out. It doesn't make any sense. Why would anyone publish this book by this vagabond that does absolutely nothing? And, like, it's not even at the end of the movie, like, the media finds out about this whole crazy mix-up. Right. Nothing <sighs> happens. It's it's all insular, but all of a sudden he just writes a fucking book about being a house guest. And, I mean, Jeffrey Jones has stopped working for Toys for Tots for the <laughs> season, and he's there drinking eggnog, and there's a little gag about him and Carl the dog drinking the same eggnog. And he's there hitting on an adult woman, by the way, which is weird for Jeffrey Jones. Well, it's called throwing him off the scent. You know, just, <laughs> you got to play the part. Ted Bundy had a wife and kid, too. And not, so, that, not that Jeffrey Jones ever killed anybody. Let's not no, throw no, stones. No. He just wanted a boy to jerk off in front of his camera. <laughs> which is fine. No, it's not. No. What? It's definitely not. So the, the film ends with our two heroes out back oh, Christmas time. <laughs> Jingle belling away while they barbecue and sing Chris to the tune of Christmas songs. Yeah, wait, wait, we haven't done this all episode. Just listen to some of this shit. We wish you a chili burger. We wish you a chili burger. <laughs> we wish you a chili burger and a mug of cold beer. Load the grill with fatty meat. Put it on a bun and eat, eat, eat. <laughs> and then it goes into the cre- the credits are just this song. Play the, the whole thing, singing about you know five golden onion rings. It's and all a medley. Shit. It's They're, ridiculous. It goes transitions. And the biggest offense to all of it, where I'm not going to play because I can't even bring myself to him. Thinking about all this Phil Hartman shit, he does the Clinton impression in the fucking song, and he's doing like Clinton eating fast food and all this shit. And he I'm goes- like, I saw that sketch. It's great. <laughs> Why put it in this? There's, Why a little put Frank Sina- There's a little Frank Sinatra in there. There is a little Frank Sinatra also, yeah. I mean, and it's kind of, I mean, I could almost get it because it's like the only time Phil Hartman can be Phil Hartman. 
Yeah, so when he's, he's like, just riffing in a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this song is produced, by the way. Like, someone mixed this. Can you imagine that There's a job? backing band. Oh, God, you're just in the studio like, oh, the levels on Sinbad were a little low in that take. Guess we got to just do this all over again, huh? Sing that cheeseburger line again. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Still got it, Sinbad. That's the end of this movie. Would anybody recommend it? No, it's way too long. It's way... T- I mean, like... It's I, just about two hours. It's just about two hours. And, you know, I actually think... I mean, obviously, I think Phil Hartman is, you know, incredibly gifted guy. You know, take it too soon. Really hilarious. Sinbad, I also think, like, if you gave him a good script, he's a good physical comedian. He, could, he is. He could do... Like, it, it, some of the the physical comedy he does, even in this movie, is good enough. You know what I mean? To get you somewhere. <laughs> I, I think that he was... You know, I, I mean, stand-up is dog shit. He could have been... And he's actually almost... He's a pretty fine actor, aside from spiking the camera. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's unprofessional. <laughs> it's about yeah, as I unprofessional mean, as it gets. I mean, yeah, just just a no. Kevin? Uh, no. Um, and I mean, it's weird because, like... Actually, I kind of think Jeffrey Jones is the best part of this movie. He's the best he part is. of the movie. Like, he, he, he brings up a lot of levels. And, like, there's a shitty uh, ball-washing gag, which... No, we're not going to talk about. Um, but he makes the, he makes a shitty gag work because he's actually dedicated to it. And nobody else, uh, even Sinbad, because he's always on fucking, you know, 11. He's always turned up to 11. Yeah. He, so he, you can't even credit him with, like, bringing some energy to it because he's just sputtering out the whole time. Jones actually has energy, and he's actually doing these things. Uh, and you can read more about it in my uh, tell-all uh, unsanctioned autobiography, Jonesin. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be three no's all around. I'm not going to recommend it either. And for all the same reasons you guys also mentioned, I do think Sinbad has his moments. Yeah. Not in this movie, but he has had moments in other things. He's actually pretty funny in Jingle All the Way. He makes a good Arnold Schwarzenegger foil. But, you know, I feel it's because the spotlight's not entirely on Sinbad. Yeah. Same thing in Necessary Roughness. It's not a Sinbad movie, but the parts where you're dealing with Sinbad, it's totally tolerable. And at some moments, legitimately funny. Yeah, he's comic relief at the very most. Right, but you just can't turn the spotlight on that for two doggone hours. And they didn't learn their lesson. I mean, fuck it, first kid is worse than this i never saw it i i mean i I remember the big spitball gag but Uh whatever i will say this the flick was directed by a fellow named randall miller and he's uh he's got a movie coming out this year which is the uh i don't know how i feel about this the cbgb biopic kind of thing with like everybody under the suns in that movie um, so that's kind of weird, but here's, you know, this is kind of, it makes more sense. Two other, uh, directorial efforts from this fella. The Sixth Man with uh, Marlon Wayans as oh, a ghost. Oh, g- ghost. And, uh, Kidden plays Class Act, by the way. Oh, oh yeah. That might be a stay to. Uh, he also directed a television show, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. Uh, he was series director on Salute Your Shorts. That's his magnum opus. It is his magnum opus. And Ugg has a little cameo in this movie. Ugg, Ugg plays the guy who works at the country club where they go golfing. And I did not recognize him. You pointed out to me, and I was like, my God, there he is without his suntan lotion on his nose and his dumb wig. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like seeing like Kermit the Frog just in a movie. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> And nobody's caught like, and he's got a different haircut. Like he's got a, a wig on. And you're like, is that? Oh my god, what? That's Kermit the Frog. I didn't know he did other oh, things. Oh, he's just in that movie. That's weird. <laughs> what is Kermit the Frog doing in Wall Street? <laughs>
Speaking of the frog of Wall Street, if you want to get a hold of us, check out the website, whmpodcast.com. We got a Facebook page. Like us on there. Follow us on Twitter at whmpodcast. Right into the mailbag, we all hate movies at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. If you do so, rate and review there. Uh, you can also download the Stitcher radio app and stream the show on the go. And by the way, you can always download uh, the episodes directly from the webpage as well. Uh, blame it on Outer Space. Eric Siska's Conspiracy Theory Takedown Show. Every first Wednesday of the week, they present a new episode taking down a new conspiracy theory or spooky paranormal tale. Blame it on OuterSpace.com for more info. They are also on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, this Friday, we are at the People's Improv Theater, uh, 9.30 p.m. Uh, tickets available on the Facebook page. Well, not on there, but you can link to it from there or the event page. Uh, buy tickets. They're only 8 bucks. Come out. We're doing Cocoon 2, The Return, Brimley, Gutenberg. The whole gang are back for more, except Brian Dennehy, notable absentee from that film. <laughs> notable holdout. Yeah, 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 with good reason. And you get Elaine Stritch in the trade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they dealt Dennehy away and picked up Stritch and free and agents. She's, yeah, and she's <laughs> just as scary. Cap. She is just as scary. <laughs> they didn't have the luxury tax, so they had a little money for Stritch. <laughs> and, of course, the new theme song brought to you by our friends at Hurrah Bolt of Light. HurrahBoltofLight.com. Their record, Hello, is available in the iTunes store. Pick it up. Good, old-fashioned, boot-stomping rock and roll. Next week, we're back with another listener request, the final one of this listener request month, My How Time Flies. Until next week, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Chris Cabin. Take it easy. Take it easy.